Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life, and this is episode 105. That's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of episodes. Yep. And we are going to follow along very much, uh, very much so, on our last podcast topic, which was episode 104. Uh, we were talking then about how essential self-care is for caregivers, for first responders, and actually for anyone going through a very difficult time, and right now that includes just about everyone. Um, however, we want to be sure that there isn't some confusion out there, because we've been seeing it. There is some confusion There is some there. confusion, and we want to clear that up for anyone watching or listening, about what some of the things we're seeing that people may think are self-care really aren't. Not at all. And we're seeing too much of this. It's an aberration. You know, I, I uh, haven't seen it like this before, but this crisis is different in some ways, the COVID-19 crisis. We're near, we're near about a year now. Yes. Um, and we've seen a lot of things that we were familiar with from other crises that we've worked and been through. Um, but there's some things unique to this one that I'm seeing um, that are a little distressing that you... When I say the whole thing is distressing. It's all distressing. But I think yes. what we're seeing is some misunderstandings. And uh, that that does bother me. Um, we do encourage and train people and know how important it is for self-care, particularly for people like ourselves that are frontline in the trenches working, helping people during this very difficult time. Um, there's plenty of other people in the trenches, uh, first responders, Medical nurses, personnel. doctors, uh, so many uh, uh, firefighters, cops. We're all in the trenches, and we live it. It's a choice that we've made, but it's it's tough. Right. Um, so it's it kind of we live a different kind of life. Um, then there is this what's happened in this crisis, where everybody is being confronted with that kind of extraordinary reality, and it's tough if it's not something you've chosen. In fact, if you've been avoiding dealing with difficult things in life, boy, this one is. Busted that really big time. And there's a hint to what we're going to be talking yes. about today. Yes. And um, we want to make sure that I don't do all the talking. And I got plenty to say. <laughs> Our producer back there is giving the thumbs up. The thumbs up. And so um, he wants, we want to have an interaction. Jenny's got plenty to say. And um, at our institute, she's the administrator. She assists me in so much work. Um, and she's one of the people that really stands through the, the fires and really comes through. So she's got plenty to say too, but I do today about this particular issue. I know you issue. do, yeah. We have a lot to say about this, and, and I want to go right ahead and go into the thing that has been disturbing to see happening, particularly, I think, particularly among some leaders, uh, that, that this misunderstanding of what it takes to do self-care and what it is, where you can go off course. Yes, and you know, um, we train leaders, we help people in, in, in developing leadership abilities. But I have seen people who have been in leadership roles. Um, and when, as long as they have the role and they perform in the role fine, people leave them alone. And, and if they're pretty good at it, it's great. But what we're seeing is this crisis has separated the men from the boys. And I mean that men and women, because yeah. there's plenty of women leaders Plenty, and I have great respect. Our place is run like that, and I love it. But here's what I'm finding out, that um, people that have professed to be leaders, 
when it really comes, push comes to shove, and the people they're leading are in need of their of their skills, their abilities, their initiatives. They're not. There's too many that are not coming through, and they've used the excuse of self-care and care for others as a way of running away from their responsibilities. Um, they'll use the law. They'll use all the facts, the scientific facts, as ways to justify abdicating their role and their responsibilities completely. I think, if you, yeah, we need to explain that because what does that look like? How are they abdicating their role by being really into uh, rules, restrictions? Um, well, they can use that as a justification, even self-care, for not leading and attend, uh, attending to the needs of those people that look up to them and are looking for leadership, particularly now. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen... A lot of our principles of self-care bastardized and misused, and that concerns me because we're great proponents of self-care. We know how important it is, but we're seeing it being misused too. Um, I'm, it distresses me, to be honest with you, um, to see that because there's so many people indeed of good leaders, of people to take the initiative to, to demonstrate caring for those that are looking up, up to them. Um, this is a time that, like I said, separates the men from the boys in, in leadership roles. It, as you can tell, just that breath alone will tell you how distressed I've been to see some of this. Um, I've also seen people take this crisis as an opportunity, just like we've talked about, to finally step out the things they've wanted to do, um, to reevaluate their lives, to really take a good look at what they've maybe neglected maybe didn't take that they were so focused on getting ahead and financial and professional and every other way, security and ambition, that they left things that were really more deeply important, they neglected them. Well, this crisis has been a great opportunity for people who I've, and I've seen this, where they've taken the, they've taken the reins and they go, okay, I'm going to finally use this in some way to do what I've always meant, to, what I've always been called to do, what I've always wanted to do. It's risky. I'm scared. Um, I don't know how it's going to work out. And they use it to take the initiative to step out. It's, I, a, it's an exciting thing to watch when people do that. What I'm hearing you say is that um, the leaders that play it safe instead of taking a risk are the ones who are letting down the people that they're leading. Absolutely. And we talk about it in one of our papers on how to find hope and, and, um, in, in times of crisis and resilience in time of crisis. We talk about the spirit of fear and how overpowering that can be and what that can lead people to do, start worrying and getting anxious and anticipating all these terrible things in the future. And once they get a hold of it, it turns into panic, paralysis, paranoia, discouragement, despair, it's all emotional reactions, and that so, there's too many people that succumb to that, believing that that's leading them in the right way. It it is not. So we've talked about it a lot. Um, that that's the, that's how the, that is the spirit of fear, and that particular thing is our enemy during difficult times. Um, when you begin to embrace that, and the and the fear takes over, and the discouragement, the despair, and the paranoia, you see people just begin to. They just begin to pull in, pull away, and they always have good reasons and good excuses. 
In this crisis, there has been so much information to scare people, um, so much rules and laws and politics and everything else. It can give people an arsenal of ammunition to justify living out the spirit of fear. That's never what we were talking about. Um, I've seen it, though, and I've seen the leaders use it that way. Yeah. Um, that, dis that disturbs me because they then it, they manifest that to the people that are looking up to them. And also they stop caring and showing real genuine care and concern for their people who are looking up to them. Um, I have to say, I've seen some others, which really I'm very um, inspired by. They can't do it the way they wanted to, but they find some way to get the message across to those people looking up to them that they're cared for. And it, they even have to work harder at it um, to get the message across and to deliver the goods. They have to get very creative in these days. Um, you think of churches that haven't been able to meet for a long time, but yet some of these leaders in these churches found some way to convey the message to their, uh, their fellowship that they're cared about. We're going to find some way to hold you up and support you. And it may be creative. It may not be the ideal of what we could normally do, but we're, the message is, I care. We care. Yeah. And that is so important during these times. So I'm hearing, I'm, again, I'm hearing a couple different things. And one is, what type, what is a leader communicating to the people they lead? What attitude? Are they communicating a spirit of fear or a spirit of... Uh, courage in moving forward. Um, there are some things that have happened out of this crisis that were some kinds of restrictions and, and guidelines Plenty. that were that some were smart, some were worth doing, others were maybe overboard. But your point is, even after you find that right balance between risks and safety, the attitude of a leader still makes a big difference. Absolutely. And we didn't say that there's not normal fear. We use it here at the Institute, and we know that you, there has been a call for precautions. It has been taken in so many different directions, uh, some of it good and some of it paranoid. Um, it's up to a leader to figure out how to sort that thing out. Um, and sometimes we make mistakes. I mean, it, it, people make mistakes. But a good leader is transparent enough to go, I think I blew it on this one, and I want you to know about it because I want you to look at it differently. So they're more human and more accessible. Mm -hmm. um, we're talking about authority, and I remember that I did my PhD um, dissertation on it. I have read it. it I just remember it. You had four either. sections to it, and one of them was on types of, of authority. authority. Yeah, and and it was were, a long time ago, and that's why I forgot about it. I think it was a long time ago. There was authoritarian. Yeah. There was authoritative. Right. And per there was was per it permissive. permissive. Yes. And we also talked about different kinds of authority, prescribed role authority, where permission is put into a role that has authority to it. Right. And they're able to dispense that authority and fill the role. That doesn't mean they're authoritative, which is a natural authority, a natural right. ability. Not everybody has that. An example of that would be like in the military. There are ranks. And uh -huh. Everyone at a certain rank, is. It may not. some will be good authorities, they may not all be. And that's the more rigid. Police departments are like that too. Right. Um, yeah, and there's a, there's a reason for that. There are. You mentioned something that stands out to me, and you mentioned about mentioned courage. 
about leaders having courage. Well, here's the thing. What is courage? To me, it doesn't mean it's an absence of fear. Absolutely It's not. the people that can rise above the fear and not let the spirit of fear control them and take them down and misguide them, but do what they have to do anyway and encourage others to do the same thing by ex and by exemplifying it to them. Um, there was a, one of my friends, when, I have a lot of friends that were Marines, uh, and one of my friends, uh, Kevin, uh, from New Jersey, was a Marine, a tough guy, and he talked about um, one of the battles in Vietnam where his unit was overrun. I think it was 5,500 North, North Vietnamese regulars versus, I think, four or 500 Marines at the most. It was a, it was a, could have been a slaughter. It was that bad. And there was a priest. They call him the, um, what was his name? From Staten Island. The Grand Padre. Yes. Fabulous man. And I read yeah. his book. I read a book about him. Yeah. And uh, he found his way, and he was at the side of it, those men. All he would men. go out, never carry a weapon, but he'd go out in the most dangerous missions with them. He, they were, he was always there for them. And he was there at this mission. Mm -hmm. And um, there's battleships named after him. There's medical centers named after him. But... Kevin was there, and Kevin was a tough guy, so I wouldn't worry about it, although it was very traumatic, that, yeah. that, that battle. Yeah. But he talked about seeing this, the, the grunt padre. He saw him, first of all, get wounded several times during this thing, and there was a medic that ran to help somebody who was wounded, and it was right in front of a machine gun um, going off. Mm -hmm. And this, this priest jumped in front of that medic so he could do it and took the took the bullets took the himself hits, and was yeah. killed. Yeah. My friend witnessed it. Yeah. And when I talked to him after many years, he says, I want you to read about this because this is what you call the real thing. Because this man is a formidable leader. He was so about. far beyond his priestly role. In fact, he had done other missionaries uh, uh, missions and he never was really fulfilled until Vietnam, and he wanted to go to the front lines where the real action was, yeah. and he found his calling there. Yeah. He inspired so many people. And if he could inspire Kevin and some of my other buddies, he was a hero, he this guy. He was real. Character. In fact, my yes. friends still talk about him today. So you know, look at that and you go, that's courage. Mm -hmm. Did he have fear? Of course He's he did. Human. And he was helping, he was yeah. there to hold up this other of Marine uh, Marines and he was there to encourage them when they were feeling fearful or hopeless or discouraged and they had good reason to be and yet he rose above it in fact put his life on the line mm -hmm. to say after he'd been wounded several times to save a medic so a medic could send to the man that would have been uh, wounded yeah. that's a hero um, to the extreme to the extreme yeah, yeah. and there's we have those people yeah. Our producer back there and hey, our Steve. technical person's got, he's got some good things to say. Yes, there he is. There's Steve. Steve, what are you, what's your thinking? Well, one other quality of leadership that you haven't talked about is that a leader nurtures other leaders. You've nurtured Jenny to be a leader. And you've nurtured Jenny to face her challenges, her fears. And you've, you've done it in a way that wasn't patronizing. You've done it in a way that was encouraging. But most of all, you've done it in a way that's effective. And that's one of the things that, you, you know, you could talk about in terms of COVID is that not only are leaders stepping in and meeting the needs of people, but they're stepping in and encourage others to lead. Absolutely. 
and bring out the character, I call it the character, the real in-depth character that an individual can have. Jenny does have a lot. But I also remember when she started, I mean, she's on the front lines and she was scared mm -hmm. and she was petrified. And I realized, whoa, we better get her on her feet because she's going to be a victim very soon. And um, I remember quaking in her boots and I've seen many. The truth is, so have many others, men and women. The only one that stood the test is sitting right next to me. And uh, she's she is quite a leader. Well, just to clarify that, you're talking about men and women at the Institute. You know, there's other men and women out there that sure. have, have done that. Well, yeah, and I'll just add, because I want to make sure this is clear, just in case, to everybody out there. The kind of self-care that's misguided is the kind of self-care that people would think of as self-protective in a way that you think, I must protect myself so that I'm not going to get hurt. I don't take risks that are more than I feel like taking. And then you end up kind of closing yourself off from, uh, if you're a leader, from taking responsibility yeah. for the people depending on you. Or you close yourself off from the opportunities that you were talking about, like, like uh, Colleen has taken, that people have taken to develop a new career or a new And we've seen plenty calling. of that. We've seen some this this misguided self care is a is a is a failed self protection mechanism. It's not real self care, and that's the thing to discern the difference between real self care, which we know is important, versus using it as an excuse to run away, yeah, and abdicate your responsibilities to others. Right, and that's what a leader is there for other people, right? And we've seen too many do just that. They abdicate and they use all of the excuses of self-care and self and protection and yet there's a completely different flavor to it a different feel yes. you know underneath they are running away and they're leaving and abdicating to people who really look to them and look up to them and need it more than ever and all of a sudden they don't have a leader no and they're out there all by themselves taking all the hits one way or the other and there's no leadership for them we've seen some come through themselves and really come to the forefront and become leaders themselves. Steve's wife is one, Colleen. Yeah. Um, but we've seen too many who everybody thought were real authorities. They weren't. And I would say it's not only leaders. I would say that anyone who has people depending on them, uh, if you're a parent, if you're a caregiver, if you're um, just in any role where someone depends on you to come through for them and instead you're going to pull back and just watch out for yourself thinking I'm going to take care of myself that's again an example of, of the problem we're talking about. And it's, and it's also where they pick up the fear of the situation I'm talking about a caregiver. Mm -hmm. Now you guys we have teams of caregivers I, I frankly they're marvelous people and doing great work, and they are real pros as teams. I've also seen others that are do-gooders, that they mean well, mm -hmm. but when it, when it really comes down to it, they realize, whoa, this is a hard job, and it's scary. And I'm not saying that we're talking about people who run away. I'm just saying all of a sudden the reality hits of being a good do-gooder is not enough. Yeah. I've got to, in fact, all my fears are coming out right now, and I don't know what to do, and the person in front of me is panicking and what a real good caregiver is, is a Jenny or her team. 
And they feel those things too, but they know they have to put, for as leaders and caregivers, they have to put their stuff aside temporarily because they have to take care and provide for the person in front of them who's in greater need. Mm -hmm. That is a very difficult and very high calling. It's not just being a do-gooder. You may start there, mm -hmm. but boy, does it take a, a professional approach without being cold and cut off. And it doesn't mean later on you're not going to feel the, the consequences of what you went through, mm -hmm. but you can't get into it at the time. You're there as an authoritative person to help that person get through their panic or their something they're facing in their life that's life-threatening. And even though it's terrifying and heartbreaking, somehow you've got to be able to put it over here on the side temporarily and attend to them. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean being cold like the medical model, you know, and being so removed. We're not talking that, but it's, it's actually feeling what's going on, but not letting our emotions contaminate the job at hand. A yeah. good leader yeah. knows how to do it and will do it. So they may feel the same fears and needs as anyone else, but they have the ability to go, I can't get into my stuff right now because they need, they need me. I've got to show them that I care and that I'll lead and that I'll take risks. And I may make mistakes, but they know that I'm there for them and that I'm caring for them, I'm protecting them and I'm guiding them. And I'm just as human, but I have the, the, there's something inside of me that makes me feel more what they call authoritative. Um, an authoritative person is interesting. And I wanted to... to <laughs> you know what? I'm going to jump in. Go, go, jump. Because what you were just talking about had to do with how to do what we're talking about. It was about some, some, some thoughts about how to become a good leader, how to rise above the, the fear that makes you want to be self-protective and get off track. And I think we need to save it for our next episode because this is going to be a more than one, one episode. Yeah, she topic. knows more about this than so does Steve. And I've been watching my. I can clock. just go rolling right to episode number. Duh, duh, duh. I know we could just keep going, but I think what we'd like to do is um, this feels like a good place to stop for today. Really. And then we're going to be coming back next time with, and we'd like people to come back and go, hey, I want to have that. I want to know how to put that in my life, and we'll take more time with it next time and get deeper into it. Wow, I got to sit here with that for a week, but you know what? There's <laughs> she's leading right now, and I'm following, and she's right. And their positions as a leader, by the way, can change. So, and if you're a good one, and you don't let your ego get in the way, you're able to advocate to other people in a good way, and realize they have plenty of authority, good authority too. Here it sits. So I'm. Um, Deferring to Jenny, I hear her and... Uh, well, I think you've given people a lot to think about. Really? I do. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, I'm really thinking no, myself. No, cause, oh. because you're, you, this is also um, part of you. It's personal, it is. And, yeah. I, and, I've been, and I was raised to be a leader. Yes. And I have an arsenal my whole life. So I love to communicate that to other people and give them the confidence. Yep. Anyway, Jenny's leading her way. <laughs> I'm going to lead my way to the end here. To the end, And yeah. we will be back, and we will continue on this topic. So thank you for joining us. This has been the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast brought to you by Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 charity. Uh, their website is sctraumatreatment.org, and we would greatly appreciate any support you can give them. We have uh, our Facebook page. We have our YouTube channel. We're on 
uh, Instagram, please like, share, watch, listen, or on all the podcast outlets. Uh, Peter and I are at BernsteinInstitute.com. I'm Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com. I'm Bernstein. He's Bernstein. I'm Jenny. <laughs> it works out. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again next keep, time. Keep the faith. Oh, oh, our phone number. Oh, the faith. Steve is helping us. 707-781-3335. And I want to say keep the faith. Hang in there. And we'll give you more information next week. Next week. Anyway, take Promise. care. All our best to you. Bye-bye.